You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 29 of Arsenal Pass. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined always by calling champion Hayden Dale. Hayden, how are you doing? I'm good, Brendan. What's, uh, what's happening? <laughs> so today we'll be doing a little recap of the calling Cincinnati before we get into the main topic of the pod, which is actually going to be breaking down the classic constructed meta heading into the national season. We're going to be looking at the data from the most recent uh, ProQuest, both at Dallas and Cincinnati, as well as giving our personal opinions on what decks we think are under or overrated. But anyway, Hayden, how's your week in flesh and blood? Yes, we good. Uh, back in store, I think I said the other week as well. So played a third week of armories. Well, just, just one armory, but uh, a third armory in three weeks, which is nice to be back in stores and playing. And um, yeah, just playing a bit of class constructed. And that's kind of been it other than testing this week, but it's been a, that's been a nice week. How about yourself? Obviously coming back from, from Cincy. Yep. Did the calling Cincinnati. Um, it's a really good experience. I, I really enjoyed it. The I'd never been to Cincinnati before. The weather was awesome. Some people probably thought the weather sucked, but uh, <laughs> that kind of overcast, you know, 50 degrees hoodie weather is definitely my favorite. So got to hang out with friends, have a good time. Um, you know, we'll get into it a little bit more. Didn't do as well as I would want to in the main event, um, but that's kind of how seals go sometimes. Um, but ultimately had a almost successful day on sunday <laughs> yeah yeah and a fun weekend right which is the main thing is it's hey the game was the winner on the day yeah i'm just here for fun anyway should we uh should we move through into the news yeah let's crack on to the news <laughs> so first uh item on the news something that really exciting that was announced at the calling cincinnati on coverage actually was that we're about to get a supplemental set very very soon um we don't know too many details other than previews are going to start the actually next week next weekend is what it looks like so that sounds like we're gonna get a preview at at orlando at u.s nationals at the calling by the sounds of it um so very likely that could happen you know on coverage or um so definitely worth staying tuned to and then i would you know other than that i would guess that uh we're probably going to get the the set by the end of month slash december usually it's a two-week preview window right so uh although it could be i guess a I guess more information dropped at Orlando, and then we get the, the, the I guess the preview season after that. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. But any sort of insights from your side, or any more knowledge about what the supplemental set might be? Crew two is some are dubbing it. Yeah, so it has um, it has cards for every single class in the game, which is interesting. Something I didn't know would happen. Um, and other than that, I just want to kind of emphasize to any newer players or people that just you know people that or maybe more limited players, which I would consider myself to be, uh, these supplemental sets are actually the best sets in Flesh and Blood. I, n- I didn't think that uh, before I was like, Crucible, supplemental sets, like, meh. But if you look back at Crucible, it's incredible, the design, and how much it just kind of changes the meta and just opens up classes to do multiple things. Um, so I think after kind of being engrossed in Flesh and Blood for the, you know these past couple of years, Nothing gets me more excited now than a supplemental set, so I am pumped. Yeah, well, like Crucible was such an awesome set. Like, I think, I think you've seen this as well. I've seen this. Like, when it first came out, you know, there were some things it was like, yeah, these are cool, some things less so. But as it's gone along, like, every card has been really interesting in some way, shape, or form. There's some cards that really haven't seen play and et cetera, et cetera. But there's big chunks that have started to come in and see play. And um, these cards that you, as we've gone through with Monarch and now with Tales of Aria, you look at these cards from Crucible and you go, like, these had a design purpose already in Crucible for future sets. Like they slot in so well, or they complement some of these cards from Monarch and Tails, even as well as Welcome to Wraith and um, Arcane Rising so well. And that's uh, such a cool design, I think, to see. Yeah, 100%. So no doubt we'll see, you know, no, no doubt we'll see cards from the set that'll, that'll hark back to even, you know, Welcome to Wraith cards or, you know, have really cool interactions, things like that. So yeah, I'm excited to see what we get. I think um, they always, it's always going to shake up Constructed. Yeah, just please beef up my wizard, please. It's all Brendan wants for Christmas, literally. <laughs> right, yeah, for years now. Uh, I've, been get, I've been getting cold the past few Christmases. Um, moving on, obviously, Cincinnati was this last weekend, and a big congratulations to uh, Michael Fing, who won the event, on the main event. Um, you know, really strong top eight showing there from 
I guess, you know, just a strong top eight in general. Um, I was checking a bit of coverage out. Didn't get to see the whole event as I had with uh, Dallas the weekend before. But yeah, that's up on FabTCG. So I actually went back and watched a couple of matches in some spare time this week. And you, know, you can do the same. You can go and see some matches. Brennan, you got a feature match on camera again this week. You never guess the result. Yeah, it's a funny little thing. Because um, I actually, I don't get any any extra nervous or anything like that. I don't misplay particularly. There was one misplay I did back in Dallas. Um it's just an inferior line, but other than that, like I like my first three games on um, on stream. I hate to be that guy, but I did get a little bit unlucky. First time <laughs> was triple invert. Next time was triple sigil, and after that was oh man, that quarterfinal sequence was hilarious. But yeah, this time I just kind of lost, and it was just your standard game of sealed. Um, looking back at the game, I I genuinely don't think there was any other lines I could have possibly taken. Um, and my opponent actually kind of missed a, uh, a beneficial trigger at the time. So if that had been realized, I would have just kind of lost like a little bit harder, mm-hmm. not that it would have changed the outcome of the game. So, um, yeah, in retrospect, I don't think there was much I could have done, but yeah, Oh, four on stream, not very good. <laughs> it's all right. We have to pick it up next weekend in Orlando. <laughs> um, but yeah, as I say, uh, fat TCG, if you do want to check out the coverage of their YouTube page, has it all already uploaded. They do it the same night, which is pretty cool. Um, Anyway, Brendan, moving on. Yep. So I just want to shout out the Arsenal Pass YouTube. We recently had a gameplay go up. It was Bravo versus Viscerai, one of my favorite gameplays that we've done. There is a nice Easter egg in that video for those of you that want to pay extra close attention <laughs> or just look at the comments and see all the memes. But uh, yeah, it was a great gameplay video. And I think that the, you know it's a cool one to watch. Um, and keep an eye out for the Viscerai deck list that's coming out this week. So very excited about that. It's going to look a little different from the one in the video but still very spicy and very competitive. So last week's time of the round as well was with the old Sasha Markovic, the two-time calling champion, now turned washed-up, retired man that who knows what he does. But um, yeah, we had him on. Great chat, good banter. Recommend you check it out. And I just want to re-remind you that time of the round is now on all podcast platforms. Um, it, it is a bit delayed, delayed by about three days. So... Um, but if you like to listen to the car, just wherever you like to listen, it is now very available to you. And segueing from that, this week we do have Tan and Grace, the orator of Flesh and Blood. So one of the main casters we've had throughout Vegas, Dallas, and Cincinnati. We had him on, um, you know, gave him, gave him a little bit of crap for always coming second in SCG, uh, SCG Opens. And of course, you know, just had a great conversation. Talked a little bit about baseball at the end, which he's a uh, he's a tiny bit of a fan of. Just a little bit of a fan, yeah. <laughs> no, it was really it was awesome to have Tannen on. I have obviously not had into any interaction with Tannen, being the side of the world and not being in any of the callings. Um, but a really cool guy and super awesome to have on, and um, really interesting to to hear a bit about him and um, what he thinks about the game. I think you know what one of my favorite things about time in the round is that. We don't know some of the people like Sasha. Obviously, we know really well, but we've had people on that we we don't know that well. Uh, we might know as acquaintances, and just hearing just how they came across the game or um, what they actually truly think of Flesh and Blood and what their plans are in Flesh and Blood is, is hugely exciting because <clears throat> a lot of these players have come from you know massive TCG backgrounds, and Flesh and Blood has hooked them so much that a lot of them who I would have thought Flesh and Blood is something that's of an interest to them, they would like call their main game now, which is uh, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, I do want to shout out the Arsenal Pass Patreon. So we are at almost 300 patrons, which is incredible. I mean, the support there has just been more than we ever could have imagined. And it's allowing us to take Arsenal Pass to you know bigger and better and newer heights um, every single month here. So really excited. If you aren't aware, we do have tons of exclusive content on the Arsenal Pass Patreon. So you know, like I said, there's going to be a deck tech, Viscerai deck tech on the Arsenal Pass YouTube um, in the upcoming week. But if you want to get a little bit, you know, go a little bit deeper on that deck tech on the the Patreon, there's going to be a full written guide that includes sideboards, you know, what cards to bring in, what cards to bring out, as well as, you know, guides on each matchup. Um, and of course, for those of you interested in math, we have the ratios, the spreadsheets, all that fun stuff. Um, along with that, we do have, you know, extra pods each month as well as live sessions as well. So thank you so much to all of our patrons. Um, and we hope we can keep just providing awesome content on there. Yeah, exactly. Thank Hayden. you. Yeah. So Hayden, anyway, take us to the uh, command and cookout. Let's do it. Yeah. If you want to get your questions in for the command and cookout, of course, this is our weekly uh, submitted question section, correspondence section, where we answer listener questions. So, you know, get get those in. You can either email us to arsenalpassfab at gmail.com, uh, F-A-B, 
and fab uh, you can tweet at us if you want uh, or you can even drop a question in the in the youtube below and just uh just shout out those for the commander cookout but yeah the question this week comes from uh samajam who asks how do we go about or how do we go about deciding how many cards should be in play in the deck so you know like 60 63 67 like 60 is that the best for consistency and ratio but sometimes you can go more uh, how do you decide on that and they say uh, thanks always you're all the best well hayden mr ratio man <laughs> you're gonna point you at me for this. yeah look i think the my default setting is always to play 60 cards so um, I think that's a bit of a, like a holdover. I, I think especially from playing other TCGs where you want the, I guess the consistent, you want to be drawing drawing your best cards every game, right? And in other TCGs, you might not see your whole deck. Whereas Flesh and Blood, you're a lot more likely to see your whole deck, especially in previous formats that were a bit slower, but more grindy. Uh, second, third, even fourth cycles of decks was like, you know, not uncommon. Um, that's to be honest, primarily Welcome to Wraith. And I think the Welcome to Wraith meta like really shifted my thoughts on how you decide cards in a deck. Um, you know, I was often playing like 65 card decks, 70 card decks. Like it wasn't that weird to do. Um, I think as we've moved through into different formats, uh, you know, these formats have been faster. You're less likely to see second cycle and, you know, majority of your games. You still can in certain games. Um, but I think probably what still stands out and the reason that 60 is still, I think for the most part, the correct number to play is consistency of your you know your your ratios of cards and your best seeing your best cards in any given game so um and i always use a, a brute example but you know if you've got three blood rush bellows in your deck and you play 60 cards well as soon as you play 65 cards uh you know you're you're less likely to see the all three blood rush bellows you know like there's the percentage of hands that have a blood rush bell on them are going to be lower right um so that's probably where 60 cards comes in and then i think moving from that you you start at the 60 card market and then for me it becomes okay what are the reasons that i wouldn't play 60 cards so you know am i expecting to go into like a fatigue matchup uh traditionally like you know guardian versus like warrior or guardian uh mirrors like i would be not afraid to play more than 60 cards um because those matchups can be quite grindy uh, i know i'm going to see the second cycle of my deck there's like risk of fatigue um that's probably where i'm looking at playing to be honest more than 60 cards uh maybe i'm playing a hero like a, a ranger uh and there's i'm playing into a bit more of a grindy matchup and i'm a little worried because i don't have a weapon that could be some fatigue issues um so that's where i'm looking at potentially playing i guess more than 60 and then the kind of like the key consideration for me um <laughs> is and and um sam and jam asks about this is like what about like consistency of ratios well i'm traditionally gonna be building my deck off of a 60 card ratio so um if i think that you know a third of my deck needs to be blues for instance well i'm going to be building that off 60s and it's very unlikely that unless i want to be changing resource cards in my deck because of defensive value or utility of those cards that i'm going to have you know extra resources you know there might be one or two for certain reasons like maybe there's a timestamp potion for prism or whatever it is um so if i start going above 60 cards i'm going to start mucking with that ratio so there's some decks where i just can never play above 60 cards i think uh, or very rarely um, but you know like the chain deck that we played in the previous format like we had resource cards inside but we had ways to go up to like more cards for fatigue matchups and keep our ratios keep our blood debt ratios keep our blue ratios keep our non-attack versus attack ratios um so i'm always looking at that from a base 60 and then uh and then i guess adapting that um yeah i've just talked for a little bit there brendan but that's that's kind of my <laughs> view on it yeah, so I think I completely agree with Hayden here, but if I can give you a, a heuristic... Oh, here we go. His say, favorite thing. <laughs> I need a really, really good reason to play over 60 cards. Um, yeah. That happens, but it has to be extremely conducive to the game plan. So like in Chain, we would play like 64, sometimes 67-ish, um, and that was like into Fatigue or playing a hedge board. I know, you know if your main game plan is going to be to Fatigue, which some decks do... Um, then yeah, you're probably going to be playing more than 60 cards. Other than that, um, usually your deck is more built around like a few sets of very powerful cards, while the rest are you know they supplement that game plan. But you want to be drawing your most powerful card, your most powerful cards, as consistently as possible. So yeah, 60 for me, unless I've got a very very good reason not to. Exactly, I think that's that's the main one. It's like your power cards and the the consistency of your your just your deck overall of those power cards to your your resources to whatever else like the tighter you can keep that the better like if there was if there was a way i could play 40 cards in some matchups like that'd be amazing right i just type 20 of the cards that are, are weakest in that matchup that kind of a bit of filler or serve very similar purposes and then you just keep like your explosive packages plus your some of your resources and just go for it um 
but you know that's that's not the case <laughs> yeah if you could play 20 cards in kino it'd probably be pretty good <laughs> <laughs> um thank you for the question uh sam and jam and if anyone's got questions that they do want to submit again you can email us to arsenalpassfab at gmail.com tweet at us or drop us in the comments Sweet. All right, Hayden, take us on the main topic, or sorry, not the main topic, the pre the pre main topic as it is. Yeah, we will split this over two 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 main topics today, I guess. And part one is going to be a bit of a recap of the calling Cincinnati, um, which Brendan's going to deliver to us, and then we're going to jump into some class constructed thoughts as we are on the eve of national championships k- kicking off this weekend. So, Cincinnati, Brendan, uh, talk to me, tell me about it. Uh, I guess just give us, you know, last week we did a recap of Dallas, which we went a bit more in depth. Um, I guess, and just trying to give an experience of what it's like to be at the callings. Uh, maybe just a little bit more of a top top line overview this time, but just tell us about you know your Friday, your Saturday, and your Sunday. Yeah, sure. So Friday, um, didn't really play any flesh and blood, just taking it easy. I actually, ah, oh, good on later, right? Is, I don't, I don't know if this is a, yeah, I don't know if this, I did get in later, but I did it on purpose. I don't know if this is a rumor or not, but they might um, change it so that some of the Friday events will contribute to, like getting buys in the Saturday events like they used to do in Magic. So there's an incentive for players to show up on Friday. Because currently there's no incentive for competitive players to show up on Friday mm-hmm. unless you just like want to play games, right? Um, so that would be really cool if they do that. But right now, like going forward, I'll probably be showing up late Fridays and just getting ready for the main event on Saturday. So early night Friday, just chilling. Saturday, right? Main event, more people there than Dallas. Didn't expect that, I think. I don't know if anybody really expected that, but it was it wasn't an incredible amount more, but it was like you know slightly more, but, which is awesome. Like it's a huge success for the game. So let's talk about opening our sealed pools. I open mine. Um, it's pretty cheeks, but I do open some good armor. <laughs> I open the Sutcliffe's boots, um, and then what else did I have? It was uh, plume. I think plume of the Evergrowth. So I had Sutcliffe's boots and plume, um, and then I opened. A pretty average to poo-poo Briar pool, but then opened a very good Lexi pool. <laughs> but with the Lexi pool, I just would have had access to literally zero armor. You know, in classic Brendan fashion, I of course had uh, four amulets, so getting really excited mm-hmm. about always opening those amulets. So I had no armor, didn't have Honing Hood. Lexi maybe felt a little bit dangerous to play, so I decided to go with the Briar. I had decent non-attack actions, and it was just the attack actions that weren't great. So my deck, again, just needed to draw pretty well. Fortunately, it didn't. Uh, in round one, I actually took a round one loss. So, for instance, like I had three embodiments at one time, and then I drew the full attack action hand. And actually, had to, uh, actually had to pitch a um, a sigil of suffering blue to plume back a so tomorrow to block because my opponent was coming in for nine off of like a two card hand. Mm. So that was a bit unlucky, and then I was doing pretty well in that round one. But uh, he had uh, blocked with a inspire lightning red, and I. Ended up having to go down to three. I mean, wouldn't play around the second one because it's hard for me to imagine someone playing two. But uh, he did play two, and he got me for perfect lethal. I took another loss pretty soon. I think it was like in round four. Um, again, just like kind of a brutal game. Five two. I'm I'm fine, you know. And then I actually I make it to the last round. <laughs> make it to the last round. It's you know winning in. Obviously not looking great at five and two anyway. But you do get to at least draft. And then I always love when I sit across from my opponent, you know, in some of these later rounds, it's like when they flip the full suite of armor and, you know, they're in these late rounds, they got two losses, you know, you're about to see some bologna sandwich. So he ended up doing a Bramble Spark Red Fuse Channel Mount Heroic, uh, Channel Mount Heroic, Pitch the Earth card, then then Entwine Lightning, Fuse Lightning Surge. So that that means um, Entwine Lightning comes in for 10 and one Arcane. So that's 11 damage, and then played the Lightning Surge after that because the embodiment of Lightning. So 18 damage, pretty impossible to beat. So I kind of just got <laughs> got a little non-game there, and I was out at the uh, the old 5-3. Uh, would, would you say maybe that match gave you some inspiration? Uh, it did give me some inspiration, uh, maybe to put my face through a drywall. But other <laughs> than that, <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, just didn't make it. It's all good. It happens. Um, you know, Seal is a crazy format. So, especially in Telsvaria. Um, but yeah, I wasn't too disappointed. You know, I was just like, okay, whatever. We'll play the ProQuest tomorrow and just move on. Well, let's move on. Well, <laughs> let's move on. So, we end up playing the ProQuest. I, uh, I could have played Dash, which is kind of the deck that we've been working on, the ones we were planning to play, you know, maybe in some other big events that are coming up. But ultimately, I wasn't too 
like excited about playing the ProQuest. Like I have two PTIs and like the ProQuest is kind of a 10 hour event and I'm like, it just didn't get me super excited to like be grinding through the whole thing. So I'm playing just like a fun Briar deck, um, just like straight 60 cards. Like technically I had cards on the sideboard, but I just played straight to 60 the whole time. Um, and then I ended up going six and L. So just six and out my way through Swiss came into the top eight, had a really clean semis match, then played against the chain. Sorry. Queen, clean quarters match played against chain the semis and unfortunately lost had a little bit of variance and uh not even saying that one like at, that one's absolutely kind of objective and not even a salty way at all so my opponent was able to like double art of war me and just like do some crazy stuff and then i actually just drew like the full non-attack non-attack action hand so um it although it was close on life it was definitely you know it, it we weren't getting there. It was a bit of variance, but that the deck was the deck is like it's kind of a meme, right? So you can just variance into uh, the full non-tech action hand, so that's fine. Um, ultimately, I was happy though. I got a cold, a cold floor briar. Um, I would have loved to win the pro quest, but you know sometimes you don't make it. Yeah, I mean those sound like standard chain hands to me. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, double out of four standard. Yeah. Okay. So you playing the pro quest, um, having a fun day. And then, I guess that's kind of that's kind of Cincinnati for you, right? I'm sure you went out for dinner with some of the the team, and then called it a called it a weekend. Yeah, they have casinos in Cincinnati, so we actually ended up going to the to the casino. But yeah. I took it. I took an early night. Um, anyway, that weekend, unfortunately, I was actually quite ill, not with like a COVID or anything like that. But uh, I just have this kind of reoccurring health issue, and it unfortunately I had like a bout of it during that time. And I was like, I remember distinctly during my, my pro quest, like a uh, top eight, I was having like cold sweats. I think I was not doing well. So I took an early night, um, on that, uh, that Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully feeling better now. And I was going to ask as well. So hold on, they don't have casinos in other States in the U S well, no, it's most, it's actually mostly illegal. Usually it's on, um, like land that is owned by the native american people or like vegas i don't know if that counts but like cincinnati just kind of randomly has a casino <laughs> so oh, it's interesting it's, uh, it's like very bizarre maybe that's more normalized now that you know in other states but they definitely don't have it in texas but uh yeah from what i understand like most states like casinos are illegal i just assumed like growing up in new zealand and living in australia like every Every major city has at least one casino. So I just assumed that, like, even, like, yeah, growing up it, in, in Christchurch, which is, like... our law. Yeah, yeah. I, I just haven't... I guess I've never really thought about it. I've just always taken that they're there. I'm not not personally a, a frequenter, uh, you know. I don't mind a, a punt on the uh, on the sports, but uh, less so on the, on the cards, as it were. Um, interesting. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. Learn something new Seems every day. Not so popular in the U.S., all right. Well, that's a bit of a wrap on Cincinnati. Obviously, you know, nice run, top eight, ProQuest, uh, not quite for the day two. I know Dante did make day two, but then I think he lost his his first second round, round or first round of, of his draft. He needed to three out of the pod uh, because he came in at X2. So um, Dante missing. I think he finished like 39th, needed the, the top 32 for the day two for the, I guess, the last draft. So he made the cut, the first cut to 64, but not to 32. Um, so just just shy there for Dante. Yeah, and um, in the ProQuest, I think he lost round three or four. Um, so unfortunately, our secret spicy Dash deck list will stay hidden. I was going to ask, what was he playing? He's playing Dash. He's playing Dash, yeah. Cool. I, I mean, Dante's definitely a comfort, a comfort player for sure. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So we're now... This weekend, actually, is the first Nationals. Uh, so this is National season starting as of this weekend. UK Nationals are this weekend... Uh, and that kicks off the, the national season. Originally, that was meant to be the New Zealand Nationals, which I think was meant to happen uh, this weekend or last weekend. It was meant to be, I guess, the first event. So now we're looking at, I guess, a national season that starts now, effectively, with US Nationals the weekend after. Uh, obviously, you'll be there, Brendan. And then I think we move through. We've got a few like European Nationals. Uh, I think Canadian Nationals are in the end of November. And then we wrap up, I think, basically, I think the last week in November or the first week of December is when Nationals wraps up. So it's basically a four-week uh, national season. I think there's a few that aren't 
scheduled yet. So for instance, for myself here in Australia, we haven't got a confirmed date for our nationals. I know LSS have committed to it. They said that they will allow the the TO to run the nationals even as late as uh, January, Feb, because I think that's actually the official end of the season. They've extended it. So there is an opportunity for that. So I'm, I'm fingers crossed that we're going to play nationals. Things are going pretty well over the side of the world now. Um, but yeah, so why don't we talk a bit can about... We, can we back up, sir? Yeah. Excuse me. You said I will be at U.S. Nationals. Do you know who else will be at U.S. Nationals? No, who else will be at U.S. Nationals? Yeah, Mr. Hayden Dale <laughs> is flying all the way over from the land down under. and He's going to be in Orlando. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I do not think his hair will be white, but he is a handsome man standing at around 6'2", I believe, so it should be easy to spot. Well, I thought we were going to say that for the end of the show. No, yeah, so I will I will be in Orlando, uh, literally as we're recording, just confirming all the details. Um, very fortunate. I think my plan was always to try and get to a calling overseas this year. Um, like Circumstances have kind of prevented that, and travel international travel has been really difficult. Uh, here in Australia, borders are opening as of next week. Um, and so it presents me an opportunity to to come along and, and play in Orlando, which is super exciting. Um, just got to you know now jam in some some testing and and uh, and have a deck. But yeah, excited to to be there. Uh, get to meet Brennan for the first time. Uh, <laughs> I'm using him as a leaning post all weekend. Uh, and then yeah, I mean in terms of if you are at the the calling, come up and say hi. I'm excited to meet you know our Arsenal Pass listeners and and anyone actually just anyone and everyone so uh, i don't really have you know distinguishable features right now like white hair but um i don't know i'm, I'm taller than brendan does that help <laughs> so are a lot of people if i stand at five three you know <laughs> but yeah come and say hello i'm really excited uh i'm flying I'm literally like i'm booking this at the moment and flying out in the space of a few days which is is like a crazy experience right now just given the fact that you know i haven't traveled internationally well actually that's not true i traveled to new zealand uh, earlier this year to to see family and friends and, and go back for the calling um so yeah i have traveled internationally but this is like a different beast i think it's such an uh, such a weird like period of time um and like there's a little bit of anxiety i think from my end but i'm also just like super excited to to be there and um just yeah just made the decision that it's 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 time to get over that way and no no thanks to brendan uh helping and supporting that as well no genuinely genuinely yeah no legitimately peer pressuring the living yeah <laughs> out of you I, was, I mean i just like i obviously i want hayden to come over but uh yeah i just like i think it's incredible that he's able to make nationals and make the final event of 2021 like it's just so awesome and epic in so many ways and like uh, there's a calling on that weekend too um you know I, i'm like i don't like to be that guy but i would like to see the matt rogers versus hayden dale feature match in america like throw down you know I'm not like a big, you know, like, you know, kind of big fanboy, but that would be sick. And I know that everybody else would be super behind that. So that would be like a legendary match, I think. I think the only time we've played in a, a flesh and blood, blood match in, in person, me and Matt was out calling finals. So I'm sure Matt wants, wants revenge. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it would be, it'd be a cool showdown. But yeah, obviously I'll be playing in the calling. Um, so yeah, looking, looking forward to it. With that said, Brendan, all the excitement aside, should we get into talking about some class constructed? Yeah, let's um let's get into the numbers first. So yeah. we got we got the Dallas ProQuest and we got the Cincinnati ProQuest. And I was very surprised at Cincinnati. That meta did not look like what I expected to, especially in the context of Dallas being the weekend before and we saw something succeed, something's not. But Cincinnati, what showed up was uh surprising. Yeah, so I've got I've got some numbers here. So thanks to Flesh and Blood to the Fab TCG website, LSS, they actually put up the metagame breakdown. I think Channel Fireball provided that. So that's actually really cool. Uh, obviously, they've gone through the deck list and just like looked at who was playing what and, and got a bit of a breakdown, which is, yeah, I, at first I looked at it and thought, oh, this isn't right. And then I looked at it and thought, oh, no, this this is this is right. So um, I thought maybe what I'd do first, because you talked about Dallas into Cincinnati, and this has been, a, a, I guess, a, a short season of Classic Instructor so far since Tales. We've had two pro quests, and that's kind of the only thing we really have to go off other than, you know, Things that people say, uh, um, things that are heard and, and whatnot. So if we start with Dallas. What happened in Dallas? So we had, um, coming to the top eight, we had uh, Akatsu. We had two Bravos in the top eight. We had two Boltons. We had a Lexi. We had a Prism. We had a Dash. So that was our, I say Akatsu, I did. Yep. So that was our top eight. Uh, of course, ultimately, Prism ends up taking it out. Uh, and I think it was a Prism versus Bravo, Bravo. final. Yeah. So... Correct. 
Yeah, so that was that was obviously the final. Those two decks, I think everyone had sort of said, were probably the, the decks to beat, right? They were coming across from the last meta. Uh, Prism obviously won the calling. Bravo was pretty well represented through Road to National season uh, and also into the calling Vegas. And people also thought that just pretty reasonably positioned against a lot of the newer heroes coming to the format. Chain dipping out was a good thing for Bravo, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of no surprises there. Uh, any surprises for you, I guess, in that Dallas top eight to Bolton? Yeah, that was surprising to Bolton. Um, Bolton is actually an interesting spot, arguably a better spot. Um, not in the context of like ice heroes, right? But there just aren't a lot of people playing ice heroes. So if you take out chain, so it's weird because this is slightly controversial. That people think that like Bolton, like Bolton was, uh, you know, made to beat Chain in the Road to National season. I I strongly believe that Chain was one of Bolton's hardest matchups. So a chain out kind of you know, fading out of the meta, I think that Bolton's in a very good spot. Um, probably has a harder time versus like a you know a plethora of Bravos. But yeah, I mean if the Ice Lexis and things like that aren't represented, I'm I'm sure Bolton Sabres is you know down the cheese some more events. Do you know what? Like as someone who's played like a little bit of Bolton, not heaps, um, I don't mind that Bravo matchup. Uh, I think there's there's definitely ways, and you can actually we we played a game on camera, which I think um, on on the YouTube channel, which I think is pretty representative of how that game can go uh, a lot of the time. Um, For sure, it's yeah, just like, like you have to hang up the sabers and play like a gentleman. Right? Of course, you have to. That's like yeah, it's a, it's a Raiden build. I think if you were dedicated to playing sabers, which I think both these builds were both had Raiden and sabers, so they could they yeah, could do it. Usually hybrid at this time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not not overly surprising, but maybe surprising to see. Two copies in the top eight um, and one like the semifinals. And then what else do we have in here? So we had two Bravo. I think that makes sense. We had the Prism. We had Dash. We, you know, we were still expecting to see Dash around. That's not really a surprise. Uh, we saw a Lexi deck make the, the top eight there and uh, a Katsu deck. So otherwise, pretty pretty reasonable, right? Like what you might expect of a first kind of top eight out, you know, first outing for Tales of Aria. 100%. It looks like, I mean, it really looked like what we would have expected. Um, it's just... I got to do hot take here, and it's not even hot because it's. I think it's pretty universally tested and understood. Is that Rampart does not like hose Dash whatsoever, and that's why you're seeing Dash still around, even while Bravo is still very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, it really looked like Rampart was going to you know put Dash in the retirement seat until the the supplemental set, but um, yeah, definitely not. It's 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 an upgrade. Don't get me wrong, it's an upgrade for Bravo, but uh, yeah, it does it does not uh, it does not totally hose the 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 mech matchup at all not a hoser doth it make indeed no. so dallas wraps up everyone's got a week between dallas and cincinnati right so my kind of thoughts and i just want to like we're talking this through i guess like as as the seasons progress because we're about to head into the national season we're going to talk about some thoughts about how the the national season might progress because tales of Aria is here so a week between cincinnati my sort of thought was mid is not going to change too much people have a week uh they're probably jamming some games if they have time they're probably playing a bit of steel but if people are going to Dallas and Cincinnati, they're probably not changing the decks too much. If people are only going to Cincinnati, they might have already had their decks locked in by the time Dallas came around. Uh, maybe they're making some last-minute tweaks, or maybe a few people are audibling if they have cards available. So, yeah, I, I personally wasn't expecting much difference. Um, what did you think, Brendan? I expected there to be not much difference, but there, there turned out that there was quite a bit of a difference, um, which is what's fascinating. So, like, like you said... You know, people might have been able to jam a few games, but I think most people were probably jamming a few drafts leading up to Cincinnati. Like that, that was how we kind of occupied our week. Um, yeah, I think, I think probably depended, been, probably depended on like your situation, right? If people had drafts available to them or um, what it might have been. But if we look at the meta, so we actually have a meta game breakdown from Cincinnati of the 127 players, I think it is, um, that played in the progress. Does that sound right to you, 127? I thought it was 179, but I could be wrong. Okay. Well, we have percentages, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> 127 or 179. Uh, Brennan was there, so I don't know. He probably didn't do a head count, but we look at percentages. So the most represented deck in the Swiss of Cincinnati was Bravo. So Bravo was 17% of the field. Uh, not not really a surprise there. You know, it came off the back of a second place. People, you know, Guardian's been around for a while. Uh, it's really picked up traction probably over the last Road to National season. Players getting into it with, with Monarch and then, of course, now Tales of Aria. Uh, you got Terra Sunder as a new toy. Rampart, if, if that's your, your flavor. Uh, so, you know, Bravo has definitely been a hero that people wanted to pick up. So not really surprised 17%. But the surprising thing for me, I guess, coming out of a, a chain meta was that the most played deck was 17% of the meta. Less than a fifth of 
the meta like that's uh it's a big departure from events that had 30 percent of a single deck right i mean yeah like uh another kind of opinion piece here would be that i think the meta is like wide open right now and you can really kind of play anything um it's it's just a super interesting time i think that you know the rebalancing or banning um of those key cards and chain has just a lot for a lot of creativity in the classic constructed meta yeah it's super healthy like that's how i see it it's like it's, it's just super healthy which is awesome um yeah yeah so sometimes in bravo the next most played we actually had um we had three decks uh so lexi well, three heroes, sorry. Lexi, Dash, and Prism. So they were our, our next three most played, 11%. So again, you know, very small percentage. Our top four, I guess, heroes are making up less than, you know, significantly less than 50%. Um, or sorry, just on 50%. So Prism makes sense, right? You know, just uh, just come off the back of winning the last calling, won the Pro Quest. It's doing Katsu's thing that Katsu did the season before, you know, winning the Pro Quest, winning a couple of events, and then being sort of the deck to beat. But Lexi and dash is representative prism i definitely wasn't expecting that yeah so the dash i could see um the lexi absolutely not where did that come from <laughs> lexi's an, i mean i'm not saying it's about here or anything like that it's awesome but um to have that larger representation like it wasn't just one player kind of spiking the event on a, on a list they found i know that there was a lexi that went undefeated I thought there was a Lexi top eight in Dallas that went undefeated or something like that. Yeah, there was one um, in Dallas and one in Cincy. One Lexi. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that he went, he went undefeated, um, or they went undefeated, and they were on some lightning Lexi list. So maybe people just saw that and thought it was really cool and picked it up. Um, but yeah, Lexi occupying a significantly larger portion of the meta than I expected. Yeah, I mean, new hero, right? Uh, two element focus. So you could build it lightning, you could build it hybrid, you could build it ice. So definitely, actually. I think it makes sense and it feels like the hero that uh has is probably the easiest to maybe figure out initially in this new format uh more so than old time and briar people have had issues with old time and actually matches on time and uh briar i think has been maybe less less looked at or it was kind of seen as maybe the the weaker of the three um but lexi you know it feels like there's been some attention uh, and then we saw a really cool death dealer build is what top added in cincy um so yeah a little bit of a surprise but if it was any of the three heroes in the new set i think it would be lexia right so they're obviously dash just an ever present uh sounds like there's a lot of players in north america who you know played dash a lot favor that deck and, and would you know prefer to stick to an events like this and then of course prism yeah as we said just makes sense coming off the back of its its uh season so far that prism would show up in those numbers um let's talk about next so that's our, i guess our top four and then we move down and then we have katsu so katsu is i guess uh our fifth place uh in terms of representation in the in the swiss meta and i think again split between aggressive decks and more mid-range decks uh but it looked like the aggressive decks were kind of doing the doing the job over the two weeks in dallas and cincy yeah absolutely i mean i think aggro katsu is where you want to be um i think you said that you thought that control katsu or this like bad mid-range katsu would be uh prevalent in the early tales of aria meta but um yeah, I mean, Agarkatsu is definitely where you want to be, or at least like an efficient mid-range Katsu, not this like kind of, you know, control-esque Katsu that just is all over the place, in my opinion. I'll clarify my statement for the uh, for the docket. I said no, that it's okay. <laughs> I said that I thought heading into week one of an event, uh, people would play Katsu, you know, mid-range. It's really mid-range. It's not even control. Katsu mid-range. Uh, and that I probably it's the bad mid range, yeah, yeah, like right? the more, yeah, the, the, the like the attrition based version, I guess. And I wouldn't blame yeah. people for doing it, uh, into an unknown, unknown meta, but I think the deck list, for instance, that top added Cincinnati was like kind of a weird hybrid sort of version. Um, obviously, like I'm guessing the, the player had sort of found the numbers that they wanted to make work. Uh, they were still focused on the surging strike line, uh, but you know, they, they had some defense reactions, they had, uh, like confidence in there so yeah but interesting list uh, they still had snag in their list so maybe they know something that we don't um wait this is the one in top eight of cincinnati yeah yeah i, pl- I played them in the uh, oh yeah you guys the played in the quarters right 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 it, yeah, was, very, it, was, it seemed like a very aggressive list awesome okay <laughs> well it looks yeah it looks like we've made the main 60s pretty aggressive with some sideboard options so yeah yeah so we've got katsu not a surprise right you know there's two flavors to katsu we saw katsu or i mean katsu was uh, at one point the most played deck in the road to national season in the early weeks uh and was you know had a, had a really good first week dropped off but you know not not surprising to see katsu still floating around yeah i mean that's uh that's the story of you know won the pro quest so people just 
Matt it. <laughs> yeah. So I want to want to talk about, I guess, some of the... I've got the top eight numbers here as well. I want to talk about these decks further. But I think what we're going to do next, we're going to talk about these top eights. And then we're going to talk about the, I guess, the decks moving forward. You know, our thoughts on how these might pan out through the season. Uh, what we're expecting to see, I guess, UK Nationals this week. US Nationals. Uh, where the where this change in meta might come from. So I just want to quickly say, I guess, the so that's our the top five meta showing at Cincinnati. Uh, after that, you had uh, Briar showed up. I think it was nine percent. We had uh, Reiner as well was around six seven percent. And then you like you're getting a, like you know <clears throat> five or six seven players playing decks like Old Time Bolton. You know after coming off two top eights, only five players in Cincinnati, which is pretty interesting. Uh, Durantia was around there as well. Um, so all heroes represented. I think Viserai and Kano as uh, as per usual, the least represented. I think only a couple of players each on those two decks. Surprised on the Viserai yeah, me too. representation. Yeah. yeah. But I think that will change. I think that will definitely change. So, mm-hmm. all right, top eight. So we already talked about what made top eight in Dallas. So that's the metagame. Cincinnati top eight. So we have end up having uh, two, oh, sorry, one Prism deck make top eight, one Katsu deck, one Lexi deck. Uh, sorry, I, I fixed myself there. Two Prism decks, one Katsu, one Lexi, two Briar, a Chain, and just one Bravo this time after, after two Bravo in the Dallas top eight. So... I guess if you looked at the metagame and then you looked at that top eight, uh, pretty reasonable, right? Uh, Bravo was the most played deck. Um, maybe the surprise was that Dash didn't make an appearance in the top eight, given that it was just as prevalent in the meta as, uh, Pris- as Prism and Lexi, right? Yeah, surprise Dash didn't, you know, kind of squeak in there somehow, but I think that they just stuck a, you know, those Dash players may have got some hard pairings really early because I played a uh, what seemed to be a pretty talented Dash player quite early in the round um was able to squeak out a win but it was a really tough game it's also something to note which i we're going to get into is that two briars made uh mm-hmm. made the top eight but they might as well be different heroes because one was i mean those decks are night and day what one is heavy heavy lightning um the other one is just totally earth mm-hmm. yeah yeah i was gonna say and that's um i was expecting to see maybe if we saw two lexies like the lexie decks are pretty different as well to a degree over the top the two top eights um, but I guess that's kind of the thing with these these elemental heroes is that we're very likely going to see completely different builds. And we talked about this uh, the other week when it came to you know like sideboarding. You know when you sit down in front of a hero like a, like a Katsu, like a Prism traditionally, it's like okay, what like what kind of are they going to be more aggressive? Are they going to be more aura based? Whatever it might be. Now you're sitting down in front of these heroes and going like, okay, what like what elements are they? I mean, especially against Lixie, it's like playing as a lightning deck and playing against a, an ice deck is very very different totally and they're gonna yeah. they're gonna attack the game in very different ways and if you if you're not prepared for those like they can actually you know they can absolutely catch you off guard so yeah same with briar not um not surprised to see that obviously i guess you played briar so anything to say i guess on the i'm not sure if you played against the i don't think you played against the lightning player right and you played against chain in the in the semifinals yeah i did play against chain in the semifinals um but i didn't see that briar deck it's really cool so very very aggressive <laughs> like probably one of the most aggressive decks i've ever seen um but looks like a really cool and fun deck and actually looks like well-rounded and thought out my deck was more just kind of like 60 cards let's have fun and uh yeah it worked out right like it was it was a, it was a fun deck to play but uh i'm interested to see where we take like where the briar kind of design space is taken whether it is kind of you know more earth focused more lightning focused or i haven't seen a lot of hybrid heroes to be honest like at all yeah, so yeah, not really, right? Like, I guess I think I've seen like a little bit of all time. Uh, I've seen a bit of. I, I also have seen some Briar uh, hybrid. I think people trying to utilize Blossoming Spellblade. Uh, I think obviously that that card's powerful, as as all yeah. the dual Earth cards are, uh, but definitely harder to get off. I think all time's probably the one that's seen the most sort of. What I, I kind of feel it's like, if you and I don't want to equate things to to Magic too much, but if you have ever played Magic and you know you you play like a, a mono black deck or you play a mono green deck, but then you you know you're splashing your color. Uh, and that's kind of what this is, right? You're splashing your fusion. So you play an ice fusion deck, but then, you know, in your old time, or sorry, you're playing an, I- an earth fusion deck in old time, but you're splashing your ice cards until you open old and, and things like that. So it's um, yeah, it's a real balancing act and it's it's a real test of skill of building and then skill of actually how you play the game out and manage your resources. Because it's it's like we talked about with like Livia, uh, it's another resource to manage or with Chain, it's another resource you have to manage in the form of your elemental um, cards. Well, your element cards, sorry, that are sitting in your deck. So it's it's a bit of a challenge. So we have the the top eights across the two. Ends up being, if I put those together, sorry, actually, take a step back. So Bravo ends up winning Cincinnati, beating Prism 
in the sorry, beating Chain in the final. Chain in the finals. Yeah, yeah. beating Chain in the final. So we have Prism one week. Fatigues him. Yeah, that's what I understand as well. So uh, Prism, Bravo. So the two decks that everyone was expecting to see end up taking the two pro quests so far. Not really a surprise, right? Yeah, not a surprise at all. So we uh, have. My... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Nothing to say. <laughs> Nothing to say. So at the end of it all, we have. Three prizes. So the top eights across the two. Uh, Prism takes three spots. Bravo takes three spots. Lexi takes two. Briar takes two. Kato and Bolton each have two. And then we've got uh, a lone chain and a lone dash. So I guess if you look at what didn't show up in these top eights, uh, just because that could be almost as telling. Again, this is a really small sample size, but it's something to start with. Uh, no Dorinthia. No All Time. No Livia. Uh, no Reiner. No Viserai. No Kana. So about half the heroes represented, right? What's the representation that's. Eight heroes represented in those top eights. So, like, to be honest, that's really healthy. <laughs> eight heroes yeah. represented across two top eights uh, in a new meta, especially after seeing just the sheer dominance of chain. I mean, we were seeing top eights in Road to Nationals where you had two different heroes top eighting, three different heroes top eighting, you know, like Katsu, Bravo, Chain. That's it. Um, so to see eight different heroes across these two top eights, like, you know, really exciting start to the season in my eyes. Yeah, and I think what the the more interesting data point there was the heroes that were winning because it was like Chain was really converting on the wins uh, back then. But yeah, it's funny. If you had told me a year ago that Dorentia was going to get hated out of the format, I would have never believed you because that was like the most pet-decked and just like loyal class that I think has ever existed in the game. Um, it was really interesting to see that you know, obviously the prison matchup is tough. Like it's pretty bad, <laughs> but despite that people have actually you know, kind of swapped off Dorentia because that has been a deck that has just persisted through good metas and bad metas for it for a long time. But it seems like prison seems to finally be the silver bullet. Yeah. And I think there's some concerns about decks like uh, even Lexi coming into the format and, and what that means. And of course, old time, I think it's just, is it Dorentia's time? I mean, Dorentia had a, you know, really I'd oh, say, yeah. yeah, like, Welcome to Wraith, Arcane Rising, even to Crucible Meta, like, Dorinthia was super well. represented. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like the litmus test for a lot of decks in those early formats because, yeah, you might have a deck that played well into Dash, for instance, or you might have a deck that played well into, um, you know, like a uh, Guardian, maybe, or whatever it might be, but it was like, okay, but, like, can you beat Dorinthia? <laughs> because Dorinthia's going to show up, it's probably going to be a fifth of the meta, um, or there or thereabouts, and you are going to have to play it, and you're probably going to have to beat it in order to win, you know, a, a road to nationals a calling a nationals whatever it was so yeah it's interesting to see that drop away and we have we have new i guess new decks like that i would say prism is probably like the the limits test these days like that's going to show up and you be prism yeah so that i think segues nicely into i guess just some thoughts about moving through so of course as i said uk nationals this weekend us nationals next weekend then we've got a, a slew of nationals uh, around the world happening let's talk about some i guess predictions if you don't mind Brennan let's talk about what we're expecting to see off the back of this meta game off the back of the Dallas and Cincinnati ProQuest and what that means for these Nationals events any I'll start with you what have you got any any predictions you want to throw out um it's hard to say because the UK is an interesting interesting little region um I don't know what they're playing nowadays it is I mean relatively it's (laughs) um no that's just that's just a what do you call a way of speaking per se. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have, they don't have like the most unique identity in terms of a meta where if like you looked at something like Singapore, it is very, very unique and they definitely have like a core identity with the way they build decks and the heroes that they play. Um, so the UK, I expect to go pretty normal. Um, I don't expect to see much Briar over there. Um, and I don't expect to see much Lexi. I think there'll be a lot of callback to the older heroes. Um, especially things like Prism, Bolton. Um, yeah, I think these light heroes are a lot more popular over in the uh, United Kingdom. What about you? Yeah, so I think one of the things that I'm thinking about right now is the way that, and I think Brennan's probably the same, like the way that I'm approaching this and thinking about this is is the way that we've thought about what's probably going to be there when we've thought about the metagame in terms of choosing you know deck selection for the next weekend. Um, so like the I guess the thing that comes to mind is it's always been Prism and Bravo are going to be ever-present. I don't think those those decks are going anywhere, right? Like, I think that's a pretty safe prediction that you can make. Uh, if you talk about UK, I think that's probably going to be the same. If I was to name one thing of, from my understanding of the UK is that there is a few Dorinthia players there. Like, Dorinthia is pretty well-liked in the UK meta. Yes, I was um, going to say that as well. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably, the I guess, the thing I would expect to see. If I talk more broadly about heading into, like, the first two nationals, so UK and then US nationals, uh, I think we're going to see a, a slight 
shift from what we saw in Cincinnati and Dallas, but I don't think we're going to see a revolution. So I think Prison Bravo, they're going to be there. Uh, I think we're going to see Dash still uh, competing. You know, didn't have the best conversion rate, I guess. Obviously, no top eight in Cincinnati. I think now what we're seeing is like the deck that's probably going to come up and see some players, Lexi. Like we're going to see some players on these Lexi decks. It looks like people have been tuning these and working on these. So I'm not, you know, not surprised to see that. Um, I guess like one in Cincinnati that was, you know, pretty lowly represented was Chain with just 4% of the meta. Uh, yeah, and I want to talk about that too, because yeah. like... It's it's important because I've looked at these chains lists. I played against three chains in that meta. Like these chains lists, these chains lists, these chainless, chain yeah. they are really not equipped to deck stack into a fatigue end game. Like I don't know how they're getting passive prisms. Like they do have a very they have a potential to to roll very well off the banishes and output a ridiculous amount of damage. But in terms of like the delta on whatever they're drawing and their average output and dragging them into an endgame especially one that consists of like arc light sentinels i mean it, i just don't see these lists getting past that if they face them consistently so i think you like if you're playing chain um obviously you can't crack that code but it's a hard one to crack when you can't build like it's almost impossible to build ursers you don't have seeds um so I'm su- I was surprised at kind of the lower representation of Prism, but if we see a higher representation of Prism, like Prism is genuinely a pretty tough matchup for those chain lists that we saw um, in Cincinnati. So yeah, definitely surprised to see the list that got to top eight got that far, especially in the context of how many Prisms were in that field. Yeah, and Bravo. <laughs> And Bravo. Yeah, and Bravo, right? Yeah. You saw the finals; like it was just a straight fatigue because the list wasn't equipped, uh, like uh, wasn't equipped, and like usually the players that are playing those lists don't ha- aren't very practiced in like deck stacking end games, right? But it's it's very hard nowadays. Like, how do you build Ursar? How do you dodge and how do you like kind of play out your cards? So you can effectively dodge Archive Sentinels and not overcommit. It's like 10 times harder than it used to be. Yeah, and I mean uh, Stuart, who won the event with Bravo, wasn't playing Snags. Um, might have been playing Sigil of Souls, I guess, like the life game package, but not, yeah, not playing Snags. So wasn't prepared for an end game if Chain did that. So yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's funny you played three Chain. There was only five at the event, so you played over half the chains that were at the event, which is pretty funny. Um, but I think we will see. I think we'll see Chain rise a bit. I think it took a really massive, you know, hit obviously early on. Uh, I guess bandied around by. Not, none other than Brandon Patrick and, and Dante Del Fico themselves is uh, that the hero has been banned. Uh, I don't think that's quite true. I think the hero is still I, still that, playable. I, I was it's hyperbole. I was joking. Uh, okay, okay, back into yeah, just back out of it now. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you right now. If you want to be chain, you play Bravo, you play Prism, and you just fatigue it. You like put that put those lists to the test and see if they can you know roll you by either getting lucky or if they can deck stack you into an end game, which is already hard enough. But you have to be an extremely talented player to do that with the tools that are currently available. So like that is the tip. If you want to be chain, there are plenty of tools out there to do it right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I don't think that was the one I would have gone for last season, but uh, now currently. Oh I yeah. I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have said it enough last season that you literally can't fatigue chain. Like it's impossible. Like, yeah, you can fatigue chains that are playing like, you know, 10% blood debt. But if you tried to like the, the, the list that were teched for it, you were, you had like a less than 1% chance to win. But now I'm telling you right now, just fatigue it. Like the list is not built for the end game, especially if you have arc lights. Like it's just if you arc light them at the wrong time, like I can't even imagine how bad it is. He's a passionate man. Yeah. So I guess the only other take I had was that I probably expect to still see some change. Like the deck's still powerful. It can still do powerful things. But um, yeah, I think it's for probably sure. I think, Art of War still exists, right? <laughs> yeah, Prism and Bravo really going to tie that tie that down. I think, and even to an extent, you know, decks like Dash. So. Uh, which have been three of the most popular decks in the format so far, and I don't expect those to change. So it's going to be a it's a bit tough time for the for the Shadow Rune Blade, I think. Um, I guess yeah, if, if really we look excited for uh, someone to win nationals with Chain, and the first thing they're going to say is, "Well, Arsenal pass it." You're going to get the old classic uh, Tyler shout out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I Go guess ahead, I, I really interrupted you. Yeah, you did. No, no, no. Uh, it's perfect. I think the, the next thing I was going to say is, so we have a bit of an idea of what we think happens two weeks out, right? And we feel that this metagame from Dallas and Cincy, we see a slight move on, but nothing nothing revolutionized. There will be players who have been holding decks back and have been testing, and there will be a few things that come out of the, the woodwork, I guess, that people aren't quite expecting, look a bit different, uh, but those are going to be really small percentages, right? I think for the most part, 
players are going to play what they're comfortable with, what they've been testing and playing into events like the ProQuest. Uh, they've been tuning these decks, and that's what they're going to run into. Um, especially, you know, if, you, if you're struggling for a deck right now, I think people are just going to pick up Bravo and be pretty comfortable with that. Uh, because it just has pretty solid matchups across the board right now. Same with Prism to a degree. So I think, you know, those are going to still be most two play decks because of those reasons. But you'll see you'll see a few things change, I think. Um, any thoughts, I guess, as we move past the first two weeks, Brennan? Like, are you, you know, could could the could the US and UK Nationals, predominantly probably the US Nationals, really warp massively what we see, say, the week after in um, yes. Europe or two weeks later <laughs> yes. uh, in, in Canada, yeah. or three weeks later in Canada, sorry. The UK Nationals, um, and like I don't mean this in, within your spec, I don't think so much unless the, unless there's a new deck. If they come out with a new deck and it wins, yes, it will warp the meta. But if like Prism wins or Bravo wins, it's the same. It, I think it literally changes nothing as we head into US Nationals. The decks that top eight and win US Nationals, a, a significantly larger event. Um, and even that calling, even that calling that weekend. So if we take like the, you know, the aggregate events, take both events. Um, the decks that come out of that weekend are going to, in my opinion, heavily warp the nationals that are coming after it. Because it's going to be, you're either going to have fantastic lists to net deck that have been tuned um, and that are just very ready to play, or you're going to be able to look at the meta and look at what, and just predict it very well and attack it very well. Um, I don't think the same thing off of just the UK. I think that like UK nationals in terms of impact will be pretty equal to like the ProQuest and stuff like that. Like the ProQuest are larger events than the UK Nationals. Um, not that that's the most relevant data point. Yeah. Um, I just, unless there's like a new hero or something spicy winning in the, the United Kingdom, I don't expect it to have too much impact. Like it would just be par for the course if like a Prism or a Bravo won. Um, but yeah, that Orlando weekend should set, in my opinion, set the precedent for the future national championship uh, tournaments that happen after it. Yeah, it makes sense. You've got two massive events. I think US Nationals is what? It's like a couple hundred players, right? And same with, I guess, the calling. A couple because, hundred? I thought it was like 600. Is it? I don't know. But then the the cut, right? So you get the cut today too. And then players who don't make the cut in US Nationals still get the opportunity to play Orlando as well. So plus you've got, you know, other players playing in that event. You know, Canadians, players that didn't qualify for Nationals, etc. Australians. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there an Australian playing? I haven't heard about that. I've heard a couple of New Zealanders are playing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. And then, yeah, so... I think you're right. I think that's going to set set the tone, set the precedent. I think if, uh, to your point though, like if it's sort of status quo and nothing really changes, you know, we get the ProQuest sort of made us really open field. Uh, you see pretty diverse top, you know, top cut, top uh, top eight. Uh, it feels like it's pretty open. There's like some really well-tuned decks, but the, you know, the, the meta is still pretty diverse. I think you'll see the same thing. You'll see these lists adopted. You'll see these tuned lists start to be adopted, but the meta will stay pretty open. And that's, that's an exciting prospect. There's obviously the, the possibility that one or two decks just really prevail. Uh, you know, the strength shines through of some of these decks that maybe people have been working on or there's just a, I guess, a piece of the meta we're not seeing right now where a few decks might be stronger than they appear, things like that. So I think we'll definitely see that and then that'll take through into the final two, three weeks of, of the national season. You might not see it immediately the week after because, you know, there's a bit of a lag, I guess, in terms of you know, people might already lock in decks for nationals the weekend after, but the nationals the two weeks after or three weeks after, yeah, definitely. I think you're going to see some some pretty big impacts there. Yeah, currently the meta is extremely healthy, uh, but I don't think we've had that big event that would yeah. force players to really push it, you know, put to like, I'm going to play my best deck. I'm going to you know test this a lot. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, we haven't, had the, we haven't had the, the true test yet. 100% agree. All right. Well, with that all said, uh, I think that kind of wraps up the main topic of the pod. But anything you want us to say on Classic Instructor before we move on? Um, I think we've talked about where we are right now, the meta, um, some some sort of key callouts, our predictions for heading forward. You know, uh, I guess if if you're looking for a deck, I mean, you can look no further than I guess the meta game right now. It seems like Bravo and Prism are, are two of the safest picks right now. Yeah, I would say there's an interesting dichotomy there because Bravo had traditionally has a pretty hard time in two or Prism, um, but I would say in this meta more than any other meta that I've seen. Um, maybe it seems like you can really play what you want. Um, meta's open, it's healthy, and I think that you know you don't really. It's not like you have to play chain or have to play something that like beats chain or something like that, which is where we were in Monarch. So yeah, good place to be. Play what you want. Play what you're comfortable with, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, 
good luck good luck in your national events or calling Orlando, whatever and you know, the next thing on the horizon is for you. But closing out here, I do want to shout out our YouTube channel. Like I said, we did have that Bravo Viscerai gameplay go up. It's one of my favorites. Um, I left a spicy little I actually leaked one of the cards from the supplementary set accidentally <laughs> on the video. Big sorry to Legend Story Studios on that. Um, check it out to see what it is. Um so yeah, like I said, with the Viscerai deck, we are doing the deck tech that will go up there. If you want to you know, get all the extra content that is behind that deck tech, the deck theory, sideboard guide, ratios, spreadsheets, everything you need, pick it up, be competitive. It's going to be on the Arsenal Pass Patreon. The Patreon also has exclusive podcasts every single month as well as live sessions. Check it out. Almost 300 patrons already, and that is patreon.com slash Arsenal Pass. Hayden and I are both on Twitter. I'm located at Brendan APG, and Hayden is located at Fiendale, F-Y-E-N underscore Dale. Follow us there. We love engaging with all of you on Twitter. Um, and yeah, I think that pretty much closes it out for us. Um, good luck. I'm so excited. I mean, not good luck, but I'm so excited to have Hayden come over to the, the great United States and the beautiful state of Florida. And I think we're going to have a fantastic time. Be sure if you do see Hayden in Orlando, hopefully, you know, if you can't find him, he's probably going to be standing by me. So just look for the white hair, come up, say hi, make him feel, make him feel loved over here in the U S but, uh, yeah, until then we'll see you in the next episode. See you later.